the, the virus will not have a chance against us. No nation is more prepared or more resilient than the United States. We have the best economy, the most advanced healthcare, and the most talented doctors, scientists, and researchers anywhere in the world. Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex Dobranek, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. And welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. Taylor, what do we have up for today? So, Alex, today we're here during the coronavirus outbreak, and you know we hope that you all are staying safe out there, and people are panicking Toilet paper is disappearing off of the grocery store shelves. Um, But there's also, you know, in the midst of all of this, there's also some interesting political commentary that's coming from this. And, you know, some interesting political things that are happening throughout all of what's going on. And today we're going to be covering President Trump's evening address where he tried to assure the American public that, Everything was being taken care of very smoothly, and you're going to listen in here for the types of assumptions and implications that he makes in language, and we're going to be breaking those down as we get through this episode. And by the way, before we get to that, since you're listening to this, we know that you enjoy this type of commentary, and since you enjoy this type of deep dive and information that we're doing, consider supporting our mission here. Each month we have server costs as well as the time spent developing the show. And we're close to meeting our goal for this month, which means that it's now time for you to chip in. So your support today keeps us on the air tomorrow, which is for now completely ad free. So please chip in to keep the show on the air and you can find the link in the show notes as well as going to our website at www.subliminallycorrect.com and clicking on the Support Us link in the menu bar. So now let's get to this first clip. My fellow Americans, tonight I want to speak with you about our nation's unprecedented response to the coronavirus outbreak that started in China and is now spreading throughout the world. Today, the World Health Organization officially announced that this is a global pandemic. We have been in frequent contact with our allies, and we are marshalling the full power of the federal government and the private sector to protect the American people. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. I am confident that by counting and continuing to take these tough measures, we will significantly reduce the threat to our citizens and we will ultimately and expeditiously defeat this virus. From the beginning of time, nations and people have faced unforeseen challenges, including large-scale and very dangerous health threats. 
This is the way it always was and always will be. It only matters how you respond, and we are responding with great speed and professionalism. Our team is the best anywhere in the world. At the very start of the outbreak, we instituted sweeping travel restrictions on China and put in place the first federally mandated quarantine in over 50 years. We declared a public health emergency and issued the highest level of travel warning on other countries as the virus spread its horrible infection. And taking early, intense action, we have seen dramatically fewer cases of the virus in the United States than are now present in Europe. The European Union failed to take the same precautions and restrict travel from China and other hotspots. As a result, a large number of new clusters in the United States were seeded by travelers from Europe. All right. And so here we have President Trump talking about the United States response to this foreign virus. And here's where he's using that word foreign here to really place that label as though the virus is not already here in America, as though it didn't come from Americans, that, you know, it's not infecting other Americans through, you know, domestic, um, you know, community spreading. He's trying to make it seem as though this is a, a foreign invasion. This is something external. This is something that, you know, is from China, perhaps. Um, and he's able to sort of use that rhetoric there to frame the, the, the message. So now we're, you know, we've almost got our enemy that, you know, we need to protect United States citizens from this foreign threat. And uh, the way that he's able to do that um, creates a, a separation in people's minds. So uh, it, it, it will enable a lot of people to sort of take this, uh, this foreign threat and tie it to a lot of their uh, already sort of perhaps racist or uh, protectionist or you know nationalistic you know ideologies pair it together and you know now they might be more on Trump's side and more you know uh, approving of President Trump and his actions because you know President Trump has the right idea of protecting us from you know foreign invasions be it people or viruses and uh, and so that's sort of what he does there and I also like the way that he's able to put on the presidential show if only for a little bit and you can see it from time to time where he's not able to follow the teleprompter properly where you know he stumbles over words or says the wrong word and then you know repeats it properly afterward you can hear it in this clip when he says counting and continuing um, you can hear it other times throughout the speech here but you know what you've got is you know president trump really trying to lean in and and sound as though he's you know talking the same way as you know fdr or you know abraham lincoln and other presidents throughout history and so he's trying to channel that and embody that and you know he's doing the best he can yeah and you know what he's actually gotten a lot better at it throughout his uh presidency he's He's gotten a lot better at that seeming presidential. I think that he's just been practicing it more. And so he's probably had people advising him on how to do this. So when he stumbles on that word 
counting, for example, he's been trained that when he gets out of breath, you know, he, Joe Biden does the same thing and Bernie Sanders is doing, you know, something similar, which is that here you have these old guys. And of course, you know, when someone's a little bit elderly, maybe they're going to slip on some words. You know, they're not always going to remember exactly what it is that they wanted to say. And but they can't give that impression. So Trump, he has been he's been coached. He has rehearsed how to kind of temporarily forget the pronunciation of a word. But then if you notice, he kind of lowers his voice tone and he makes a a sudden pause there as if that's exactly what he meant to say. So it's an interesting thing about the way that even if he stumbles upon a word and then he moves back into a different thing that he does with his voice to make it sound like, oh, actually, that's just him being, you know, very, um, very, very speech-like, you know, getting into that, that wonderful qualities of all of those, you know, past public figures that Alex just mentioned. And we also have, through this, you know, very first few minutes of Trump's speech here, some interesting language devices. So when he talks about this unprecedented response, what exactly is it that is unprecedented? So is it the response, the the American response, or is it the virus that is unprecedented? So the way that he says it in the sentence, it's not exactly clear. And this is what is known as a scope ambiguity. It provides room for interpretation. So the brain needs time to think and relate what is being said into a particular context. And during that time, people can choose to relate it to different things. So different people may hear what he's saying in different ways. They may think that he's saying something differently. But that's the power of being so you know vague and abstract in the language, and even as we hear here, ambiguous. Now, he also says things like, you know, we will significantly reduce the threat to our citizens and we will ultimately and expeditiously defeat this virus. And the word re- reduce is what we call a comparative deletion. So he doesn't tell us how much it will be reduced, just that by some measure it will be reduced. So if we reduce it 1%, that might not make that much of an impact. If we reduce it 80%, maybe it will. But you see, he doesn't have to get into the details here. All he has to say is it reduces and it makes it sound like he's actually doing something and being specific. But really, he didn't tell you very much at all. Almost anything that anyone does is going to reduce the threat to the citizens. And, you know, how do you measure that? Well, he doesn't want for it to be measured. And that's, you know, what we hear him doing here. And then the other thing that I thought was really interesting here in this clip was how he does this thing with time. So he explains then, you know, from the beginning of time, nations and people have faced unforeseen health challenges. So it's like now all of a sudden we're in this historical um, narrative. What specifically does he have in his mind when he's saying from the beginning of time? You know, what point exactly is it that he's, you know, referencing there? Because, uh, you know, I'm not sure if he's referencing the same thing that other people might be referencing. You know, some people might be thinking about the beginning of the country. Other people might be thinking about 
um, you know, the the period where, you know, Jesus was roaming the earth. Other people might be thinking about something at the Big Bang. You know, it's like, what exactly does he mean by that? But then he says, we will ultimately defeat this virus. So think about what he's doing here. He's saying all the way back from the beginning of time, that is point A, to the point where we defeat this virus and we will ultimately you know, be successful is point B. And basically what he's saying is, hey, all of that other stuff, you know, it doesn't really matter as much. What's important is the start point and the end point. And by doing that, it allows him to deflect away from this moment and just completely change, you know, people's perceptions and ideas, you know, about this. Now, in this next clip, we're going to hear Trump really moving into a motivational framework back to getting into his, um, you know, real presidential way and but also doing some minimizing. So let's take a listen to this clip. Earlier this week, I met with the leaders of health insurance industry who have agreed to waive all co-payments for coronavirus treatments, extend insurance coverage to these treatments and to prevent surprise medical billing. We are cutting massive amounts of red tape to make antiviral therapies available in record time. These treatments will significantly reduce the impact and reach of the virus. Additionally, last week I signed into law an $8.3 billion funding bill to help CDC and other government agencies fight the virus and support vaccines, treatments, and distribution of medical supplies. Testing and testing capabilities are expanding rapidly day by day. We are moving very quickly. The vast majority of Americans, the risk is very, very low. Young and healthy people can expect to recover fully and quickly if they should get the virus. The highest risk is for elderly population with underlying health conditions. The elderly population must be very, very careful. In particular, we are strongly advising that nursing homes for the elderly suspend all medically unnecessary visits. In general, older Americans should also avoid non-essential travel in crowded areas. My administration is coordinating directly with communities with largest outbreaks, and we have issued guidance on school closures, social distancing, and reducing large gatherings. Smart action today will prevent the spread of the virus tomorrow. Every community faces different risks, and it is critical for you to follow the guidelines of your local officials who are working closely with our federal health experts, and they are the best. For all Americans, it is essential that everyone take extra precautions and practice good hygiene. So here we've got a moment where President Trump is, you know, listing off all the things that the American government is doing to help out the people um, in the fight against this virus. But this is really a good lesson in how to say a lot of things without actually saying anything. And what he does here is he's listing off all of these things that are the best and the greatest and, uh, you know, we're doing all the things, getting better day by day. All of these things are so vague and so uh, ambiguous in their scope that you can't, you don't really, A, you don't really have anything to compare it to. And then B, you don't have the, the full scope of the, um, of the response of the actual action that he's talking about. 
So when he talks about our federal health experts are the best, well, okay, well, which experts are we talking about? And who are they better than? And, you know, what are we what are we talking about? What makes them better than the other people that you don't know? And then he uh, emphasizes there at the end to take extra precautions and practice good hygiene. Well, yeah, that's uh, pretty obvious. And, you know, he doesn't really get into exactly, you know, what this is and what you should be doing so much as to just, you know, state very obvious platitudes and uh, and speak very vaguely and broadly about about actions. And so ultimately what he does here is, you know, lists off a bunch of things that are ambiguous, broad, nondescriptive to make it sound as though, you know, he's got it under control and that we're doing everything in our power without actually explaining anything that we're doing and what you should do as an individual either. Yeah, and that's Trump's thing, right? He's going to continue to be really broad and really general, and he's also going to go back to, as much as he possibly can, the things that he has been running upon. So, you know, cutting red tape, you know, we're cutting massive amounts of red tape, and you can almost picture that in your mind, right? There's the tape, and there, you know, Trump's going through and cutting it, in order to make antiviral therapies available in record time. Except, is that really true? Like, what are we talking about there? You know, what is he actually doing? And, you know, his platform's all about cutting the red tape, but you do a little bit of Googling, and you realize that actually he cut a lot of the things that could have protected people, like the U.S. pandemic response team. And so... You know, he's going to go back and keep emphasizing his record. He's going to want to keep saying how important the last few years have been. And there was this interesting little um, ambiguity, another ambiguity that he did here, where he said testing and testing capabilities are expanding rapidly. Day by day, we are moving very quickly. Can you catch it? So, right in that sentence is what is called a punctuational ambiguity. Now, I've talked a lot about ambiguities here, you know, within the show. You know, I I mention them from time to time. Alex mentions some from time to time. And what you might not be aware of is that there are different types of ambiguities. So, there are phonological ambiguities, which are homonyms, right? Words that, um, you know, are written differently but sound the same. You can have scope ambiguities, like we talked about earlier. You can have syntactic ambiguities. But this one is what is called a punctuational ambiguity. And what it means is based on how you punctuate the sentence, based on how you read the sentence, it's going to have a different meaning. So he says here, testing and testing capabilities are responding rapidly. And then he has this little bridge phrase right there, day by day. So listen to how I say it this way. Capabilities are expanding rapidly day by day. That makes sense, doesn't it? But then you can also read it as day by day, we are moving very quickly. So it's both. It's both. This is expanding rapidly day by day, and day by day, we are moving very quickly. So when you have a phrase like that that's right in the middle, it's ambiguous about which sentence exactly does that belong to. And so he allow, doing this allows him to actually send multiple messages at the same time you know, to the person listening. 
So in this next clip here, we're going to be hearing, you know, Trump talk further about some compartmentalization that he's doing with some language about the virus in particular, how he's making it into this thing and some of the themes of good and evil. And also he's going to be talking about his favorite subject, the Democrats. So let's take a listen to this one. Because of the economic policies that we have put into place over the last three years, we have the greatest economy anywhere in the world by far. Our banks and financial institutions are fully capitalized and incredibly strong. Our unemployment is at a historic low. This vast economic prosperity gives us flexibility, reserves and resources to handle any threat that comes our way. This is not a financial crisis. This is just a temporary moment of time that we will overcome together as a nation and as a world. However, to provide extra support for American workers, families and businesses, tonight I am announcing the following additional actions. I am instructing the Small Business Administration to exercise available authority to provide capital and liquidity to firms affected by the coronavirus. Effective immediately, the SBA will begin providing economic loans in affected states and territories. These low interest loans will help small businesses overcome temporary economic disruptions caused by the virus. To this end, I am asking Congress to increase funding for this program by an additional $50 billion. Using emergency authority, I will be instructing the Treasury Department to defer tax payments without interest or penalties for certain individuals and businesses negatively impacted. This action will provide more than $200 billion of additional liquidity to the economy. Finally, I am calling on Congress to provide Americans with immediate payroll tax relief. Hopefully, they will consider this very strongly. We are at a critical time in the fight against the virus. We made a life-saving move with early action on China. Now we must take the same action with Europe. We will not delay. I will never hesitate to take any necessary steps to protect the lives, health, and safety of the American people. I will always put the well-being of America first. If we are vigilant and we can reduce the chance of infection, which we will, we will significantly impede the transmission of the virus. The, the virus will not have a chance against us. No nation is more prepared or more resilient than the United States. We have the best economy, the most advanced health care, and the most talented doctors, scientists, and researchers anywhere in the world. We are all in this together. We must put politics aside, stop the partisanship, and unify together as one nation and one family. As history has proven time and time again, Americans always rise to the challenge and overcome adversity. Our future remains brighter than anyone can imagine. Acting with compassion and love, we will heal the sick, care for those in need, help our fellow citizens, and emerge from this challenge stronger and more unified than ever before. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you. Okay, so here we hear Trump moving back into his motivational framework where he's going to be talking to us about the greatest economy. 
So he's really emphasizing the fact of we're strong enough to deal with this because of the wonderful economy, of course, that, you know, we've, he has created. And so the vast economic reserves, uh, prosperity, it gives us reserves to handle any threat that comes our way, which again, is very big picture. You know, what does that mean? How do you define any, any is a very, you know, big thing, but it's, that's what people want to hear is they want to hear, you know what, we're big enough to handle anything. And, this interesting point here where he talks about this is not a financial crisis. This is just a temporary moment in time that will over we will overcome together as a nation and as a world. But, you know, where does he get this? You know, what is he talking about that it's not a financial crisis? Of course it is. But he can't have it be a financial crisis. He can't admit that the economy is going down because if he admits that that means that he himself has failed because he's staked you know think about when we have been talking about trump here on the show think about how much of his rhetoric has been based on the economy right when you talk with someone and say okay well what's the what's your most favorite thing that donald trump has done for the u.s they will always say the economy it's the economy that he has boosted up it's the economy that has you know been done now all of a sudden the stock markets which are only part of course of the economy but the stock markets are starting to dip and as they have dipped now he can't quite take credit for it as much and you know a lot of people are saying well the reason why they're dipping is because the president's response hasn't been good enough. Um, you know, which of course is only half true. We all, we know that. Um, so, you know, as he, as he gets into this, right, he keeps talking in those broad generalities about the IRS tax relief for certain individual and businesses. Who exactly? Mm, we don't know. You know, SBA loans, for who? Who exactly is that in certain states? Wait a second. I thought the entire country was locking down. Why is it only in certain states? Why are we talking about that? So we hear him going back into his motivational framework and really reemphasizing his big picture view, which is a lot of what he's been doing through this whole speech. We hear him really kind of sum it up here at the end. And he uses this language. The virus will not stand a chance against us. No nation is more prepared or more resilient than the United States. And so, again, this virus, in his words here, is being treated as though it's a foreign nation army, as though it's invading America. We need to lock down our borders with China. We need to lock down our borders with Europe. And, you know, it's almost as if it's, a, it's an Iran uh, uh, biological weapon and that we need to defend ourselves the same way as we might defend ourselves in a war. And he's using these phrases like no nation is more prepared. Um, and, you know, this is uh, this is more of that that language that could be interpreted two ways. Could be one way that we're thinking about it as as healthcare preparedness. Another way that, you know, he could use the same phrase for a warlike stance. 
And um, that's really what, what Trump is doing here. And it's, it's really interesting. Absolutely. And that's all the time that we have for today, everyone. If you enjoyed the show, remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and go to www.subliminallycorrect.com. Click that button that says support us. Remember to chip in. You can do that for as little as $3. Keep the show on the air. Remember, this is still ad free. Continue to do that. Also, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. Five stars. Let us know how much you enjoy the show with your questions. You can send them to us uh, through email or to tweet at us. And we look forward to talking with you again next week.